We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. God called you to walk with people. He called us to help you. Join us for a conversation at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. Each week, our goal is to replace a little bit of your overwhelm with more confidence in caring for the people you walk with. Welcome back to the Walking With podcast and our series called The Disordered Life. We talked about the difference between personality disorders and mood disorders a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we dove into narcissism, probably the most widely known personality disorder. And this week, we're diving into, can we say it's sister? Borderline personality disorder. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chris, I have this impression that there are more male narcissists and more female borderlines. And I don't know where that comes from and why that is, but can we just start there with whether or not that's even true? Yeah, for sure. And the reality is that's not true, that uh, narcissism and borderline are are equal among both genders. Uh, What happens is, is that the narcissist for a while can cloak himself or herself as a successful person, as we talked about, the winsome personality and all that. But what ends up happening is the narcissist doesn't actually seek help, which is very common for men. Men don't seek mental health help, which also then brings the borderline and your assumption that women have more borderline than men do. It's that women just present themselves more for help. And so when they come, we're seeing far more uh, in the counseling and the clinical world with regard to borderline than we do with narcissism, both because narcissists don't seek help and because women do. And when they do, they will bring, you know, their uh, their concerns about their emotional instability. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So it's not either or. It's not gender specific. Right. Let's dive into what it is. What is borderline personality disorder and how does it differ from narcissistic personality disorder? And mm-hmm. where do we see it? What are some examples? Yeah. So borderline personality disorder was first uh, labeled borderline by uh, the the people that are in the business of labeling these things, right? Uh, Because they felt like it was on the border between neurosis and psychosis, okay? And so neurosis is we're all a little bit neurotic, right? And sometimes we feel crazy and we feel crazy when we're in the car in traffic. We feel crazy when our kids are not listening to us. We feel crazy in our marital conflicts. Like there's some level of neurosis that we all have on some level. Psychosis is more where there's um, uh, imaginations that are happening, there's uh, things that are uh, like, you believe that they're there, they're not there, hallucinations, uh, uh, the, the things that are medically more needing psychotropic drugs, uh, schizophrenia would be more in that category, that kind of a thing. So uh, psychosis is that, neurosis is, there, is what I just described, and the borderline feels like they're somewhere in the in-between. 
Okay, and that's where they first got the name. Now, clinicians have stepped back from naming it that, and and people are trying to uh, relabel it in some ways more of an emotional instability disorder, uh, which actually fits it a little bit better. Because when we talk about borderline, I always wondered when I was learning this stuff, like what what border are we on? When we talk about emotional instability, that feels like it actually describes what's happening for the person. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Okay. So someone who has borderline, as we talked about with the personality disorders a couple weeks ago, and then also with narcissism, borderline also has some of the same genesis, where there's some significant childhood trauma that has shattered the soul of the person, that there's something so significantly uh, traumatic, either uh, a single event or an ongoing event, most likely it's ongoing traumatic events that happen to the child, that the the child just could not find him or herself uh, or recover him or herself. And so they've lived in the world trying to, as I said, with narcissists make themselves big and other people small, or with borderline, they find themselves so unstable uh, that they can't even locate themselves in, in, in any way. So some of the symptoms of uh, someone with borderline is that there's a significant fear of abandonment, that uh, someone, any relationship that I have, you're always going to leave me, right? And that can be just uh, in a in a comment that someone makes, or maybe that you don't respond to the text immediately that, that you sent the person, and now all of a sudden they're afraid that you're abandoning them. Basically, borderline uh, personality disorder means that your hypervigilance is on and on full speed all the time, right? That it's just turned on and you're constantly looking and constantly afraid of what is going to happen to you and how you need to self-protect. So that, you know, fear of abandonment is a significant um, uh, characteristic of someone with borderline. Another is where it shows up in the world is that person with borderline has significantly unstable relationships. Because of that hypervigilance that's constantly on, they're always kind of watching for how are you going to abandon me and and I'm going to do everything I can to either make that happen or make that not happen because I don't want to be hurt. And so the relationships are constantly unstable. And you might, as I said last time with narcissists, look at the relational debris after uh, the person, you know, the, in the person's past, as they've lived through relationships, what is some of the relational debris that can give you some clues like, hey, we're dealing with something systemic here. This is not just situational. Though a narcissist or a borderline person would not ever really look at it systemically, they would kind of make the assumption that it was something situational or about the other person that they were trying to be in relationship with that was just couldn't take it or, you know, left me or whatever. It's, it's unstable relationships that show up. Well, if somebody is in this kind of a friendship or relationship, I, I mean, I've heard of stories that where they suffer for years wondering, like, what what am I doing? Is it me? This person, just like with narcissists, this person is charming and well-liked by many and functioning in society, and yet I, I feel constantly like confused and agitated Mm -hmm. in my relationship with this person and it goes on and on and on is that true that that's how it feels to be in relationship with someone like this yeah for sure and like i said as well the the personality disorders a lot of the symptoms you can see in their behavior but one of the 
telltale signs of your in relationship with someone with a personality disorder is that you are the one that feels off. You feel questioning, you feel confused, you feel a little crazy yourself. And that's just kind of that mental projection of what's going on inside of them that they're projecting onto you, that you then walk away from the conversation just so confused. I don't even know what just happened there. Like that's how you end up feeling. Um, now, a, a narcissist is far more uh, uh, brilliant in the manipulative ways, and it's not intentionally brilliant to, to manipulate. The, the folks that have borderline are going to be a little bit more erratic. And you'll see some more on the outside of the instable relationships, of their impulsivity, of their hypervigilance, right? Their, their lack of a strong self-image and, and all that. You'll see more of that in them because they will go up and they will go down and they will go all around in their emotional state that um, you, you might be able to actually visibly watch them go from a state of calm to a state of complete fear to a state of depression to a state all within like three minutes, right? So there's a, a lot of instability. And then you as the person in relationship with them, one of the other telltale signs of borderline is that you as the person in relationship with them, you will feel like you're walking on, on eggshells. You'll feel like there's always just real thin ice and I have to be real careful on how I say something or language something or ask something, or I have to make sure that I'm, you know, putting the the book back on the shelf in just exactly the right way because otherwise he or she may believe in their hypervigilance that have done it just to bother them. Like those are the kinds of eggshells that that feel like we're walking on when we're, we're in relationship with a borderline. Another big thing too to be aware of is um, a, a narcissist not, will not necessarily go to a place of self-harm because of their own belief in their self-importance. However, a borderline will be much more likely to self-harm because of their fragile ego, their lack of sense of self, their lack of identity, and their fear of abandonment that they may you kind of fall into some of that self-contempt that leads to self-harm. Like, I'm not worth being in relationship with. I'm not worth having, you know, people actually like me or continue to stay with me or whatever. Or I, I'm going to hurt myself and abandon myself before I let that other person abandon me. That kind of stuff can be part of what's happening there for, for people with borderline. So what is it like for, we talked about last week, how difficult it is to actually see real change and growth for someone who has, who's mm -hmm. a narcissist. Is that the same for borderline? And, and what does it look like for their, you know, future well-being? Mm -hmm. Is this a medication that helps? Is it, is it possible to see real growth? Yeah, I think that for anyone, you know, where, wherever the gospel is wherever Jesus is, there is there is healing possible. And yet, as I said last week about narcissists, they very rarely seek out help. And so they are very rarely helped. Now, those that have borderline are far more uh, likely to seek out help. And as a result of that, they actually do find help. And there's, there's more possibility for them to learn ways to reduce their hypervigilance, to contain their emotions, to manage and regulate what's going on inside so that it doesn't affect those on the outside. And so um, I've seen a lot of people who have borderline personality disorder see some significant change in their lives. It's a lot of work 
because like I said, it's a systemic thing. That's why it's a personality disorder, not a mood disorder, um, that there's something systemic going on, but they can actually learn to grow and shift and change and regulate how they are in the world and what they what they do with their internal world so it doesn't affect their external world. However, there's not necessarily a medication that can help, uh, right? Uh, so it's, uh, Medications can help them in the sense of helping them with their emotional ups and downs, for example. But it, that's more medicating the depression or anxiety that a borderline person may have, which can help them. And at the same time, it's not necessarily helping them with the borderline itself. Mm -hmm. I get that. We talked last week again about how prevalent narcissism is in ministry and in churches, and particularly in male leadership. Mm -hmm in those positions. Is that the same for this? With female leaders? Well, with female leaders or just in the ministry? In I the mean, ministry. Are, is it predominant in the ministry as well? You know, I would probably say no, that it's not as as uh, predominant as you might think with regards to narcissism in the church. I wouldn't say borderline in the church is gonna be equal or on par with that. Um, however, I would say that far more people uh, probably are struggling on some level with borderline because there is unaddressed childhood trauma. And when the church doesn't actually open up to speak about those things and have safety in the congregation or in, you know from the pulpit or in whatever space, if there's not a safety to address childhood trauma, then we're actually not addressing a lot of people that may be significantly struggling with an internal unstable self that really could be helped. And they end up believing that they're just not good Christians or that there's something wrong with them or that um, you know even Jesus might abandon them like that kind of stuff. And so we do need to be aware of it in the church, though I wouldn't say in leadership or whatever, there's you know that borderline representation. So again, I wanna be cautious that uh, we're not kind of beginning to look for these things, turn over the rocks around us and the relationships around us and begin to self-diagnose or diagnose other people with narcissism or borderline or whatever it may be. The, the point of this discussion that we're having is to raise some awareness amongst those who are walking with people uh, in a church or Christian ministry setting that there are some things that in the psychology world can give us insight into help people in the spiritual. And uh, some of the things that present in, in, in borderlines, like I said, or in narcissists, we might spiritualize away or we might not even uh, really attend to. And, and, and I want to invite us to really consider that there's something, uh, some other things that are far more possible with people than we might imagine. And so if we're walking with someone and we're watching the debris of relationships or we're watching the significant instability of uh, emotions and life and, and all that, then maybe we can begin to consider that there's something else going on for that person than just a spiritual problem, right? They're not just spiritually far from Jesus, though that may be true, there might actually be some unaddressed trauma or some significantly systemic things that are going on for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the midst of that, to approach that person with kindness and grace and to stay in relationship with them and help them get the help they need. 
Well, I appreciate just that kind of simplified explanation of what this is and debunking some myths that I've even had around it. Next week, we'll continue in the series, The Disordered Life. want to invite you all again to leave a review or a star rating on iTunes and visit us at restorationcounselingnoco.com if you are in need of counseling or want to refer anyone. We've got a team around the country doing virtual work right now, and you can always follow along at RestoryLab to see what we're up to in the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. We'll see you same time, same place next week.